If you've got a pack of hot dogs in the kitchen, toss them in the trash. And do this instead. See, breakfast literally means breakfast. It's the first food activating the digestive system. That was free. <laughs> Nothing like trying to be serious, hey? Hey, I've got some announcements for you before Reuven gets up to minister the word. A week from tomorrow, Monday at 2 o'clock, will be a game day here. So those of you that are free at 2 o'clock from about 2 to 4, we bring snacks, we bring board games, dominoes, cards, and we have great conversations over the table. So that happens kind of in that section of the room. And then uh, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have a seminar in here on discerning God's voice. And this is for everyone of every age. This is such a critical topic in these days. We're hearing many voices. There's a lot of deception out there, and we need to be able to discern the voice of the Lord above every other voice. And so that'll be taught starting at 9 o'clock, February 5, on Saturday. 9 o'clock, Mark Weibel will start us off. Reuben is also going to share, and so is James Poole. So you really won't want to miss that. We're going to record it, but if you can be here for it, that would be best. And you need to register with me, please. Mm. There is a call to fast. Those of you that were with us on Wednesday night for prayer heard that the mayor of Waco has called all the believers in Waco to fast and pray one day this month for Waco. And so this is being passed through the churches and we are being we are asked to choose from January 26 to the 30th. So that's this Wednesday to Sunday. Choose one of those days from sunrise to sunset to pray and fast for our city. And uh, he gives five points. I'll run through them. They'll stick in your mind because they're quite common. One is for healing and protection from COVID. The second one for peace in our homes and schools. Third, for unity across the races and divisions in our city. Fourth, for our law enforcement, medical personnel, and teachers. And then five, God's blessing and presence and hand on our city. So we need all these things. And you know, when anyone in leadership proclaims a fast, that means we're in a critical situation and we need to take it seriously. So the leader of our city has proclaimed a fast, and now our spiritual leaders are also proclaiming the fast as a result of that, and we're being called to take part in that. So please take that seriously. This Tuesday night, those of you that are involved in young adult fellowship, con uh, discipleship with senior adult discipleship, we are not meeting this Tuesday because it's young adult fellowship night. So you guys will meet, and we will not meet. And then we'll pick it up again next week, the following week, with discipleship. I wanted to mention that uh, those of you that are aware of the persecuted church know that North Korea has been number one for quite a long time. They are the most brutal to the believers in that nation. And Afghanistan has now moved up to number one. And they've displaced North Korea. It is so serious in Afghanistan. They're going door to door and killing Christians, and taking young girls for their brides, which is, amounts to sex slavery. 
And so I, I want us to pray about this. Um, we need to, last semester we were praying for the persecuted church just about every week. If we don't do it in here, please do it in your own private lives, your own prayer lives. We've got to be lifting up our brothers and sisters. So we also want to pray for China. There's focus right now on China because of the Olympics, and they'll be putting forward a good face of what they will show. But what they're not showing is that they're tearing down the churches, they are burning the Bibles, and they're imprisoning the Christians. And their torture is very intense there too. So this is, this is the season we really need to pray into that. And then I just want to mention a few of our own people. Gaylin Schaefer's in the hospital. They think maybe a minor stroke. They're not sure what's going on. So they're testing her. Bob Painter was in the hospital for a couple of days with congestive heart failure. They have sent him home, but he's under a doctor's care. Uh, Jody Wheatley has COVID. Stovall's have flu. Betty Snyder's cousin Susan was diagnosed with cancer. So some of the people we know and love really need our prayers, and then people we don't know but we do love in the persecuted nations, they need our prayers. So I, I feel inadequate to pray into all this, but let's all pray together, okay? Let's all start out just praying out loud together for these things, and then I'm going to pray. So, Lord, we lift to you all these people that are suffering. Lord, for the sake of your name, ovation. Stand for protection, for provision, for preservation. I pray for our own people. Lord, I pray for Bob and Kaylin and Jody and the Stovalls. Lord, I pray for Susan. Lord, I pray for Donna Jacobs. Lord, would you heal bodies and spirits and souls? Lord, would you walk through the streets of Afghanistan and would you turn the hearts of the Taliban to yourself? Would you turn the hearts of the communists to yourself? In China, I pray, Lord, for preservation. In China, too, Lord God. Open the eyes of their hearts to recognize the gospel and to recognize Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you want their salvation, that you are for them. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, thank you for the scripture we're looking at today that says, preserve me, O God, defend me, O God. And Lord, we're praying that for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted nations. Lord, would you preserve them today? Would you defend them? Would you vindicate them? Lord, would you provide for their needs? Would you break the power of pain off of them? Would you bring down the tortures that some of them are undergoing? Would you strengthen them to continue to be courageous and faithful to you? I pray that they'll sense your presence in their prison cells today, 
those that are in lockdown in their homes, imprisoned in their homes, Lord, would you invade their homes with your presence, with your provision. I pray that they would know your love, they'd know your comfort, they'd know your joy. I pray for um, Lord China, the Chinese believers, the Afghani believers, all of these, Lord, so many that are being persecuted and really that are terrorized. I pray, Lord, that the fear would be broken off of them as they feel holy boldness and as they feel courage in your presence. Lord, would you give them the peace that they need? And those that know their family members are being tortured, Lord, I pray peace for them. Lord, we lift them to you, and we just speak the name of Jesus over all of them and the victory that your name holds. We also pray for our own loved ones, the ones here in our class, family members, people that we care about that are sick right now, that are battling COVID or some other virus or infection, those that are recovering from surgery, Lord, would you also expedite their healing? Would you be all that they need right where they are today? And pray full recovery in the name of Jesus. Lord, we know our times are in your hands. And when it's time for you to take us home, I pray it will be gentle and be quick with the least amount of pain and discomfort. Lord, I pray that for our more senior adults that know that their days are winding down. I pray they will know that you are more than enough for them right now. Thank you for our brother Richard Simon that he's with you today. We pray your comfort and your strength for Wanda and for that family in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for praying. Reuven, where are you? There you are. Okay. We are so blessed um, here in Waco, Texas. <clears throat> I mean, if you, if you were not there Wednesday night at our time of Highland all praise and prayer, our mayor was there. Our mayor is a fervent lover of Jesus. Our city manager was there. Also, he sat in the front row. He wanted to get in on as close as he could to what God was doing. I mean, our police chief is born again. She is filled with the spirit. Um, our county sheriff, Parnell McNamara, my word, I heard him last summer at a parking lot giving a praise rally among all the sheriff department. And I remember he shared with about three, 400 people that were there in the parking lot. He said, we've taken a lot of heat because I put on the back of every one of our sheriff patrol cars in God we trust. He said, I've gotten so much protest against it, I'm going to make it in bold letters. <laughs> I mean, our hospital administrators are born again. I mean, we are blessed among cities here in Waco, Texas. So what a joy, what a blessing, what an honor to have our, those in authority that love our king. That's why they need our prayers. First of all, Paul exhorted Timothy, 1 Timothy 3. First of all, pray for those in authority. Pray for those in rulership. We have judges that are born again. Praise the Lord. We even have one in our midst this morning. No, we are most blessed uh, as a city, as a county. 
And I'm just uh, very thankful to the Lord that he gave us the nod to come to Waco. All right, well, let's begin. Let's turn to Psalm 16. Evan Jean opened up by saying, it looks, you might think that I am young, and I am. Well, I say you might think that I am old, and I am not. I am not. I am not. Psalm 16, what a wonderful psalm. A michtam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names upon my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. And because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved or shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray again. Lord, we just want to thank you for this man, David. We want to thank you that he put to pen and had ways of expressing his relationship with God because it was so special. It was so honored, not only among those among his nation, but Lord, it was honored in heaven. So much so in an eternal way that the King of kings and the Lord of lords Yeshua, Jesus himself, will sit in the throne of David. Wow. And I pray that we would learn from this man after God's heart. We'd learn today from this man who would do all of the will of the Lord. So, Lord, again, I pray for clarity and personal application of your word. That the word could become flesh, tangible, practical, applicable in our gathering this morning so that we could be made a little more like Jesus.
Lord, I pray you'd speak as clearly as we could hear the sound of the shofar this morning. Amen. David starts by saying, a michtam, michtam. What is a michtam? It's a technical term implying a written foundation. Another word with the same three root letters of micht is the word michtesh, meaning mortar. So what David is doing is that he's sharing the foundation of his walk with God. That which keeps his life together like mortar is to bricks. And there are six psalms in which David seems to summarize his relationship with God. Here in Psalm 16, and then five psalms together of Psalm 56 through 60. All of them he's summarizing his relationship with God. But in this psalm, Psalm 16, it's often called a messianic psalm. Because it's quoted by both Peter and Paul in the New Covenant. And it's referring to the Lord's resurrection. And we'll see that in the latter verses. But look to verse 1. Right here at the opening of the psalm, David starts with a cry from his heart, Shomerni, Shomerni, which means keep me, preserve me, watch over me, oh God, hold me tight. That's all in that word, Shomerni. And as we often find throughout the Psalms, again, David is desperate for God. God is attracted to desperate people. He wants to be sought out and to be pursued fervently, not casually. And too often, we operate in our own strength and do not realize God's nearness and his desire to be involved with each and every detail of our daily lives. We forget easily God. We just forget God so easily in our busyness. And what happens? And as a result, we do not have that consistent dialogue with the Lord throughout our day. That's what David had. God wants to restore. It says in the book of Acts and in the book of Micah, in the last days, God wants to restore the tabernacle of David, which has been torn down. A Davidic lifestyle in God's people that have integrated lives with God all throughout the day. That's his desire for each of us. And it blessed the heart of Father God to watch David, a man after his heart, who would do all of his will throughout the day. Hmm. Too often God is our last resort rather than our first source of counsel. Emmanuel. The truth within this name of God should be a central part of our lives, not merely a song that we sing in December. Emmanuel. Until we grow into an awareness of Emmanuel, knowing that God is with us every day, throughout the day, more than likely we're going to end up with a lot more difficulties throughout our day that God intended. Why? Because we've not sought his counsel, we've too easily operated in our own strength and initiative. 
Two weeks ago, as I was sharing from Psalm 34, I shared one of David's secrets in his relationship with God. If you didn't catch it then, please catch it today. Here is the secret. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So as an act of his will, I will, an act of his will. David had God in his thoughts throughout the day in praise, in prayer, and in proclamation. Shomerni. It comes from the root word shomer, which simply means, again, to preserve, to keep, to watch over. Among the most popular songs of the body of Messiah in Israel comes from Psalm 121, verse 4. He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. He ye no la he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. Who shomer Israel is the pet. He's the keeper, the watcher, the protector over Israel. Those songs were to be heard from Dan to Beersheba, all throughout the land of Israel during the two Gulf Wars, as a reassurance of God's keeping power toward his people, and especially in times of trouble. He that keeps Israel, he who keeps you and I, he never slumbers and he never sleeps. He's always watching. Always. Shomer is often also used for referring to tending a flock or guarding captives. And as a shepherd, David could easily relate to God in this manner. He could easily apply this attribute to God because he himself was a shepherd. And he could see his all-present, all-caring shepherd throughout the day. And David prayed that God would be his keeper, his guardian, and even through death, as we'll see in verse 10. The foundation of David's declaration is trust. For in you I will put my trust, my confidence, my hope. Trust also means to seek refuge. God will keep David because he finds his shelter and his security in God alone. God loves that dependence. He loves that truth. David is absolutely certain that God will preserve him even through the most difficult times. And friends, that foundation needs to be our personal possession also. A total trust in God, knowing for certain he will preserve us. Selah. A total trust and confidence in God. A certainty he will preserve us in every situation. That's all in verse 1. Verse 2. David makes reference to the Lord twice in this verse, but he uses two different words. Now we miss it in English, but it's very plain in Hebrew. Yahweh Adonai. 
The Lord is Yahweh, the holy name of God. The holy name of God Almighty. And the second Lord mentioned is Adonai, meaning ruler or master. So to David, God was both almighty God and master of his life. David stated again in his commitment to God saying, you have said, he's reminding himself, David, you have said to almighty God that you are my master. Using both Yahweh and Adonai. Two titles of God. What David's doing is he's making a declaration of his lordship. Of his sovereignty over his life. Friends, God is more than a savior. He is Lord Supreme. Lord Supreme. He is not returning to the earth as savior. He's returning to the earth as Lord Supreme. Every knee will bow. Every knee did not bow in his first coming. There was only a tiny remnant who bowed their knee. Not in his second coming. Lord Supreme. Adonai Sevaot. Getting excited thinking about his coming. David continued, my goodness is nothing apart from you. Nothing. The word goodness is the simple Hebrew word tov. Now let me hear it. You're going to learn a Hebrew word. I'll be like Pastor John, except he doesn't have us repeat it. This is easy enough to repeat. Tov. Now, I was emphasizing to a, gray, to a first grader class one time, and they were all going tov. And I went, no, no, it's tov. You know what the whole class did? Tov. It's Tov, 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 Boker, Tov. Good morning, Tov. The word for good, the word for goodness. It means goodness or good. It also means complete and whole. God gave the, uh, David gave God all the credit for all the goodness in his life. He is my goodness. He's all of it. He had no goodness apart from God. David perceived God as the only source for all of his goodness and all of his wholeness. Verse 3. David's heart was after God. So he wanted to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And in that pursuit, he realized how precious God's people were to him. So David embraced that same love and that same respect for God's people. And the scriptures reveal how precious God's people are in fact to him. In fact, the phrase, my people, is found 234 times in the Bible. My people, personal possession of God. God is extremely possessive and jealous concerning those whom he has chosen in both Old and New Covenants. And I love how the scripture says, all of his delight is in his saints, his excellent ones who have chosen him above everything else. Verse 4. Notice that David did not say another religion. He said, 
another God. He's referring to the realm of idolatry. Another God is that to which we will prioritize sacrifices of our time and our energy. Other gods are everywhere today. Everywhere. And we would each do well to ask ourselves and to ask the Lord, to what or to who do I give a lot of my attention, either mentally or physically? Hmm. Then ask the Holy Spirit, is this an idol in my heart? Listen, good things can easily become big idols. And I tell you, he will speak to us and reveal to us the idols that are in our heart if, if we really want to know. Verses 5 and 6, David realized that the Lord is his ultimate portion and his ultimate inheritance. Listen to his confession about God in some other psalms. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 26. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. Psalm 119, 57. I cried out to you, O Lord, and I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 142.5 David sees God as his inheritance, his wisdom, and his security. God is his goal, his guide, and the anchor of his soul. And these attitudes shaped this man after God's heart. They shaped his heart into an eternal legacy concerning this man. Grasp it again. All of his inheritance, all of his wisdom, all of his security. His entire goal, his guide, and his anchor of his soul. David acknowledged that God abundantly supplied him in every way for everything in life. Total dependence upon God. You know, God's blessed us so much as I shared on the onset with our authorities that love Jesus. But the bottom line is God has so abundantly blessed your and my lives. That should have had a resounding amen. Amen. Blessing upon blessing for years, for decades. He has poured it out. Hmm. I think we need a fuller realization of that truth so we can grow in our appreciation for how greatly he's blessed us all throughout our days. We need to have a further realization of that just like David did. It was fresh in David's life all throughout every day. He knew that all that he had was because of God's faithfulness, not through his own personal efforts. The Lord was his portion and his inheritance far more than land or possessions. And he had a lot of both. 
Verse 7. David developed a hearing heart to discern the Lord's voice and his counsel. You know, it's, here's our human nature. You ready? We make our plans, and then we want God to bless them. That's just the nature of man. Instead, we should seek God's will first and his counsel first, because he'll always bless that. By communing with the Lord and trusting in him, we will be able to make right choices. Listening for God is just as important as talking to God. So what does your concept of prayer look like? Prayer is defined as a communication between God and man or man and God. In your communication with God, who does most of the talking? And who does most all the listening? Conversation of relationship that is healthy is that there's a good measure of both. Good listening and good speaking. What David is showing here is that he will show us the paths for our lives if we are diligently after him. And then in verse 8, David chose to set the Lord always before him. This is so beautiful. He was secure and steady because God was at his right hand, and he knew it. That's the difference. See, we know that God is at our right hand, but we don't know it throughout the day, or at least we don't act like we know it. David reminded God in thanksgiving that God was with him throughout the day. David's realization of the always present God was a great source of stability for him. It also kept David in that place of childlike confidence that we've mentioned these past weeks in previous Psalms. It's childlike confidence that immediately is looking for Father. It gave him daily strength and powerful encouragement. You know, the Apostle Peter quoted verses 8 through 11 in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28 in his Pentecost sermon. So good, I want to repeat it. This is what Peter said in Acts 2. For David says, I love that reverence. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord. Always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. That was Peter's confession on the day of Pentecost. In Psalm 16, 9, now we see that David's heart was full of joy. God made him glad. He found the secret to joy, real joy. Joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. We can be joyful in spite of troubles because God is with us, Emmanuel. 
Happiness is always temporary. Always temporary. Because it's based on external circumstances. But joy is eternal because it's based on God's presence. If we can realize that God is with us throughout the day, what a source of joy. We can step right into joy unspeakable, full of glory, knowing he's right here, right now, and going through this with me. If we acknowledge his presence, we're going to find a place of joy and contentment throughout our day. And now in the last verses, 10 and 11, both Peter and Paul quoted this verse in Acts 2 and in Acts 13. They mention Sheol. Sheol. What is Sheol? Sheol is the domain of the dead. David prophesied that God would not leave Messiah in the grave. He would not leave him in Sheol, in a place of being dead. Many people fear death because they can neither control nor understand it. But death has lost its sting in us who believe. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? In conclusion here, we can see that David was inspired to write Psalm 16 as a testimony of his own life and as a prophetic word for everyone living forward. The overall theme of the psalm is triumph. It's a resurrection psalm. That's why both Peter and Paul use it in the New Covenant. And it rings with hope. What a great psalm. And especially when we are going through a difficult time, which seems to be more readily these past two years. I want you to listen again to the highlights from God's heart through the heart of David expressed in Psalm 16. God wants these words to go right from God's heart through David's heart to ours. God will preserve his sons and daughters, verse 1. God is our goodness, verse 2. God is our inheritance, verses 5 and 6. God is always before us, verse 8. God gives us hope, verse 9. God is... Not the God of the death. Of, he's not a God of death, verse 10. But he's the God of life. He will show us the pathway of life if we're seeking him all throughout the day. Every day. We can see from David's life the devotion and trust in God is built into our lives from one primary source. Consistently being aware of the presence of God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? If we can maintain an awareness of the omnipresence of God, he's here. He's here. He's watching. He's listening. He is Adonai Shammah. 
The Lord is there. He is the God who is always there. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you're here right now. But I pray that we would know it in a greater way. Lord, we want that one primary source of devotion and trust that David had. A consistent awareness of the presence of God. Lord, we can sense that on Sunday mornings. But throughout the rest of the week, sometimes it's a stretch. But you are your name. Adonai Shama. That is one of the eight holy, sovereign, majestic names of God. The Lord is there. That's who I am, says the Lord. And Lord, thank you for this wonderful young boy as a shepherd that grew up to be the shepherd king who realized that the true king was invisible. And thank you that that king, David, saw you as king and lord and master and sovereign ruler of his life, was to whom he gave all glory, all honor. You were the source of his inheritance. You were all of his inheritance. You were his portion. You were his cup. You were the ones who allowed pleasant lines to fall unto David's life. And Lord, the same is true of us. Lord, David didn't fear death because he knew it would just be a stepping stone into eternal life. Lord, our flesh and our heart are going to fail just like David's did. But God was the strength of his heart and his portion forever. God, I pray that into us in deeper ways, further channels into everything concerning us. You are our portion, Lord. You're our refuge. And you allowed us to live in the land of the living, not of the dead. Thank you that you're our inheritance, our wisdom, our security. You're our goal. You're our guide. You're our anchor. And just as David acknowledged your abundant supply for him every day, Lord, we acknowledge that this morning. You are the abundant provider of all our need. And you even provide in such gracious ways that often you even give us our wants. What a God. What a God. What a King. What a Savior. What a Lord. Lord David wrote this michtam, this written foundation. Lord, I pray that this psalm would be written across our hearts as a written foundation that a growing passion could well within our hearts toward God. And I pray that that passion would be on display all throughout the day. By faith, we receive this truth. And by faith, 
we walk in it throughout the rest of this day, the rest of this week, the rest of our lives. To the glory and to the majesty and to the goodness of our God and King, Jesus. Jesus.